Welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Respiratory. In this podcast, Dr. Anne-Marie Schoss answers a series of questions on the diagnosis and management of pet allergies, including the role of component-resolved diagnostics in providing a detailed analysis of patients' sensitization profiles to allow for a more personalised approach to management. This activity is supported by an independent medical education grant from Thermo Fisher Scientific and is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Melbuchos. I'm a physician working part-time as an associate uh, professor at University of Copenhagen, where I work at COPSAC. And then I'm part-time, I have an allergy clinic at the pediatric department of uh, Slagelse Hospital in Denmark. What is the extent and burden of pet allergies? So pet allergies is kind of on the increase at the moment. And right now, up to 20 to 25% of all children and adults are affected by sensitization to cat or dog allergens. And uh, so that means that they have a presence of IgE antibodies, not necessarily symptoms to the, to the pet, but um, it's actually affecting quite a lot of people at the moment. Um, among these allergens, allergy to cat is one of the most common allergies we see worldwide in humans and sensitization to cat affects about uh, 20% of the population. Um, the prevalence of sensitization to furry animals has been increasing in recent decades and especially during COVID when we saw an increase in exposure to these animals as well. Um, they're easily spread in public environments and there's a lot of uh, cross um, exposure in schools and other public areas where you see uh, allergens are probably carried in by in the clothes of the children and other people uh, that are present at these uh, public uh, environments. So you're exposed much more than you actually think. And um, these pet allergies are actually a risk factor for later development of uh, other atopic diseases such as allergic rhinitis and asthma. And we don't really know some of these um, exposures may also have a protective effect of development of some of these diseases. So we don't really know if there's a perfect point where you should be exposed to these allergens in early life. And these pet allergies and their associated symptoms, they have obviously a very negative effect uh, or impact on the quality of life of both the children and the adults that are affected. Um, and the the data that we have on the effect of living with these pets uh, on the quality of life are quite limited at the moment because a lot of children will say that they have a better life uh, with their pet even though they experience allergic uh, symptoms on pond exposure. So it's quite a big uh, problem right now worldwide, um, but we're also getting more tools to try and kind of diagnose and deal with it. How has the diagnosis of cat and dog allergies evolved in recent years? Yeah, so a lot, uh, a lot is happening in this particular area at the moment. Um, the normal established practices that we have and know until now are still very important. The, uh, the medical history is always number one when we're diagnosing allergy. Uh, so the good medical history that's associated with uh, exposure or exposure associated with reactivity is, of course, the most important part of the diagnosis. And then we have uh, some objective tools such as skin prick testing or measurement of specific IgE in the blood. Um, but there's a lot of uh, uh, blurry areas where you kind of 
um, uncertain of the diagnosis and it's not always clear cut. So the differential diagnosis is still quite challenging in this field. Um, in recent years, uh, molecular diagnostics or component result diagnostics is playing a bigger and bigger role in uh, pet allergy diagnostics. And it has improved the possibility to characterize the allergic patient a lot better um, and also to, to kind of see the particular sensitization pattern that each patient has. So of these allergen components, there are eight recognized cat allergen components. FELD1 is the major, major one where more than 90% are sensitized to this uh, allergen among cat allergic patients. And uh, they go through FELD1 to FELD8. And then we have similarly eight dog allergen uh, components, CANF1 to CANF8. So these uh, components are named after the Latin name of the species, which is why they have such weird names. <laughs> um, and instead of uh, analyzing IgE to the whole allergen extracts, the component result diagnostics measures antibodies to specific molecules, so-called allergenic or aller allergic uh, components. And these allow a much more detailed characterization of the sensitization profile of the patient, uh, such as FELD2 and FELD4 sensitization has been shown to be associated with atopic dermatitis. So that's a very specific patient-specific message to give to someone. And it may help predict the nature of the uh, allergic courses a child may have and other associated diseases such as uh, asthma and atopic dermatitis. How does a diagnosis of pet allergy in paediatric patients impact on disease development and severity in later life? So um, sensitization to pet allergens can tell us something about the risk of later development of disease. Um, so for instance, early sensitization to cat allergens can impose an increased risk of wheeze and also of sensitization to other allergens among children with atopic dermatitis. Similarly, allergic sensitization to cat, dog, and horse through childhood is associated with later development of asthma. So there's something about prediction. Um, but also, the only measure we have right now, or the main treatment that we have, is the avoidance of these allergens, um, especially when avoidance is quite simple. But now there's growing skepticism regarding the effectiveness of this pet avoidance as a strategy for preventing atopic disease. Uh, so avoidance makes sense when an allergy is already developed, but avoidance before an allergy has developed is not necessarily the best strategy in order to prevent development of allergic diseases. Um, so it's all about the timing. We don't really know for sure when the timing is optimal for exposure to prevent allergies. And, and further, it's probably only in a subset of patients with like a certain genetic background or other concurrent exposures that these kind of exposure actions will be most successful. So we don't really know, but we do know that continuous exposure in patients who have already developed an allergy to, for instance, dog or cat can lead to an increased morbidity and mortality in these children, like of the diseases that this exposure triggers, but uh, be it allergic rhinitis or, or asthma. So as, as well as fine-tuning the diagnostic workup component, Resolve Diagnostics is allowing a detailed analysis of patient sensitization profiles, and it may help identify cross-reactivity uh, to other allergens if, if there's confusion about that. Uh, 
and it can also be uh, or give you a predictive risk marker and also guide immunotherapy and tell you which patient might uh, benefit from immunotherapy to these pets. How are patients identified as needing pharmacologic therapy versus allergen avoidance and environmental control measures? So this is very much up to the family also that you're sitting in front of. So um, the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology, and also the European Academy, they kind of say that the optimal management of animal allergies consists of allergen avoidance, but that doesn't always confer with the family's wishes or needs. Um, and also trying and, con and control the exposure in other environments than the home. But then there's also the pharmacological therapy and immunotherapy. So decision to treat is, also, is typically based on continued presence or severity of the clinical symptoms. And also if there is other comorbidities such as asthma, um, for instance, that would be the most uh, frequent one. Um, so the use of antihistamines or local steroids um, and also immunotherapy are options to treat treatments. Typically, if, if you can't avoid exposure to the pet in the home, if, you, if the family doesn't want to get rid of the pet, then typically they will need uh, immunotherapy, ideally, because otherwise they need to take antihistamines and steroids on a daily basis. So it kind of depends on the family in front of you as well. But the antihistamines, if you know you're visiting your aunt and she has a cat, then you use the antihistamines right before you go to see your, your, the, the, the ant with the cat. Um, and also characterizing the patient sensitization profiles to these specific allergens that I talked about before using this component result diagnostics it can really guide this individualized treatment approaches that can kind of modulate both the, the patient response to the allergen exposure and also guide the immunotherapy and who will benefit from it. What are the pros and cons of available pharmacotherapies and immunotherapies for the treatment of furry pet allergies? So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the antihistamines and the nasal steroids and of course immunotherapy as treatment treatments for these allergies. So Overall, antihistamines are generally safe and effective for managing allergic conditions. But if you have prolonged use, there might be some rare side effects that, that aren't very well uh, studied yet. Uh, those uh, side effects that have been reported for long-term use are dry mouth or drowsiness, blurred vision maybe, and itchiness when you stop the use of antihistamines. Uh, also, the nasal steroids are very, very good treatment for and all the nasal symptoms that you can have, and not usually a cause of any significant side effects if used correctly and at normal dosages. But the side effects can include like a stinging or burning sensation in the nose, dryness or crustiness in the nose or nosebleeds. So for both these treatments, it's a good idea to try and use them intermittently if possible. So the, the uh, one pro for the antihistamine is that it has quite an immediate effect so if you go and visit someone you know have a pet that you're allergic to, you can take an antihistamine, whereas the nasal steroids tend to have a little bit longer time before they use uh, work optimally. So you need to use those for a couple of weeks before you get the, the best effect. So um, I would probably not advise to keep a pet in the house if there's a clear allergy that needs daily antihistamine or corticosteroid to control it. However, if that's still the case, 
uh, we can talk about immunotherapy for this family and and the analysis of immunotherapy show that it's quite cost effective and there's long-term advantages compared to pharmacotherapy when you use immunotherapy uh, it's still uh, in growth in a growth phase and there's immense developmental prospects and probably needs a little more of development before we can use it optimally for pet allergy how may novel approaches help to support personalized medicine so a lot is happening in this area right now and it's 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 very interesting so the personalized medicine allows you to select few patients in the group of allergic children for instance who will benefit from a certain treatment. So currently we're giving the same immunotherapy mix to all, let's say, cat allergic patients, but the main content of the immunotherapy is FELD1. So what if the patient isn't sensitized to FELD1? It will not be equally effective. So right now we can do some analysis of these bigger patient groups and try and cluster them into different groups that kind of have the same phenotype and through that, um, come up with a mixture or a preparation of immunotherapy that fits an individual or each individual uh, according to which group they belong to. And by that, we'll have much better effectiveness of uh, immunotherapy. So that's a very exciting field that's kind of uh, developing a lot right now. What other approaches are being considered to help manage people affected by furry pet allergies? Yeah, so there are also some interesting things happening in this area. Um, for instance, if you are allergic to a dog, uh, you can have, uh, based on your molecular uh, allergy pattern that you diagnose through this component resolved diagnostics, you can see if the patient is uh, uh, reacting to all of the dog components or particular ones. And here, one of them is very interesting, and that's the CANF5, because that's specific to male dogs. So if the patient is sensitized only to the CANF5 and none of the other dog components, it can actually the patient can actually tolerate female dogs. So that's a very uh, personalized medicine approach as well to dog allergy. In the cat area, there's also some uh, major steps that are happening. You can control the allergen expression of the major allergen in cat FELD1 uh, by adding a specific um, uh, immunoactive, immunologically active FELD1 uh, to the cat fodder. And then when the cat eats that, it will diminish the secretion of FELD1 in the saliva of the cats and thereby making it like a hypoallergenic cat. Uh, so those are some of new uh, approaches and angles where we also use the component result diagnostics a lot. How should healthcare professionals consider patient preferences and goals in managing their pet allergy over time? I believe that it's very important with this shared decision making uh, when you see these families because you can tell them over and over again that they should get rid of their dog, but if they don't do it, you will not have a good response to any treatment that you try and give them because they're still exposed to the to the pet in the house. So you really need to be on the same page with the family and learn about their wishes. Um, so you should uh, definitely talk about if you have a pet in the house and someone is continuously reacting to it, try and get rid of the pet if possible. Uh, and if not, uh, you, you should try and tell them to keep the dog or cat out of the bedroom of the allergic pa uh, person. 
and uh, restrict the exposure to only certain rooms um, and try and not hug or pet the, for instance, the dog. And if you do wash your hands after, there's lots of these uh, advice that you can give on direct exposure to the pets. Um, and you can do regular follow-ups as the kids grow older to see if their sensitization kind of uh, sensitization patterns changes with time. And by that, tailor interventions uh, and also which all can contribute to better outcomes and, and quality of life. But the shared decision-making is extremely important here. Talk about the pros and cons of the different treatments and get on board with together with the families uh, on the on the uh, optimal approach to the allergy in 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 their case uh, to to get the optimal outcome for the family. Thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. Additional content on related topics can be found on Touch Respiratory.